millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey gang, it's me, Amy Lane, host of Wow Far, the running podcast that aims to inspire and empower runners around the world. This week, I've got another run chat for you. As with most of the other episodes in this season, I'm recording the show from under a duvet in my house. So if the sound isn't quite 100%, that's why. But do stick with me as I've got a great show ahead for you. After winning Miss Universe Ireland at the age of 19, Ros Purcell made her body her business working as a model. But the glossy shoots and photos master life of disordered eating, exercise addiction and misery. Fast forward to today and Ross has rebuilt her relationship with her body and exercise and in doing so became a food writer, hike organiser, TV presenter, cookbook author and half marathon runner. Let's talk to Ros about her love-hate relationship with running and how she rebuilt body confidence after years of being held hostage by her own thoughts. Hey, Roz, welcome to Welfare. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad we've managed to make this work. Like, I know you're not that far away, but your Instagram, when you're normally outside in the sea and up all of those amazing hills and mountains, makes you seem like you're worlds away a lot of the time. I know. And you know what? It's like the big thing I'm missing right now. You know, I'm like yourself. I get so much of a buzz from being outside and moving that it's... It's really hard for me not to be able to do that. And I live in Ireland at the moment and our restrictions are a little bit harder that we can't leave a two kilometer radius. So there's no mountains in my two kilometer radius. I do have the sea, but all the swimming spots are closed. But I'm definitely keeping my spirits up by uh, doing a few training sessions in my garden and just remembering that uh, I'm not bored at home. I'm safe at home. And never again, I will never complain about hiking, running or training in the rain. Has this love of outdoors always been with you throughout your whole life? Have you you've you grew up in Ireland and you've and apart from a stint in New York, you've you've always lived in Ireland, right? Yes, I have. I've always been a huge advocate for the outdoors. I grew up on a mountain down in Tipperary, uh, which is in the south of Ireland. A few of you might know the song, It's a Long, Long Way to Tipperary. And right now it's a long, long way to Tipperary, just can't get down there. And I've always been into, you know hill walking and trail running so for me mountain life is where I feel most comfortable and it's like I I love sharing my passion about it with people saying that though I think in my early 20s I don't think I was into it as much so like everything I think in my early 20s I was a very different person Let's talk about that, actually, because I've read that you have a bit of a love-hate relationship with running. You've just mentioned trail running when you were younger, but it seems like that relationship with running has maybe had more ups and downs than those Irish hills. Oh, definitely. And you know what? I actually now prefer running uphills than down. 
You know, I think what? it's like, I think I have an appreciation for my knees these days. But yeah, growing up, I loved running. It was something I did as a child. I competed in long distance running. And I also did it after school as kind of my separation from homework and having that time to myself, listen to music and daydream. Running for me, it was always like an escapism. And it also obviously made me feel really good. And I was very fortunate to have the mountain to run on. So it's not like I was running through a city or on a road. I was kind of going through so many different types of terrain as that it was always interesting. And as well, I had that kind of empty space. No one was around me. I could like run and sing and I wasn't embarrassed, you know, and especially as a kid, you could, you know, really be yourself. But that wasn't always the case. I when I started modeling, I suppose I looked at running as just a way to lose weight. And that's really how my relationship with running shifted. It went from being something that gave me so much joy and gave me escapism and something to work towards and endorphins and a feel good factor to something that was totally used to lose weight and to be a smaller version of myself. Uh, So I kind of began to resent it. So it definitely changed quite a lot. And even though I'm naturally good at running and my body performs well when I run long distance I think I just started to break down I was overtraining quite a lot I then took up doing kind of half marathons and half Ironman and I just started to get lots and lots of trouble especially with my knees so for my early 20s I didn't have a fond relationship with running it was something that I definitely dreaded and I felt like I had to do more so than I wanted to do And it took me a long time to kind of get back to loving running. Was it almost like you were using it as a punishment? Definitely. I I guess I looked at running as if I had a a bad day of eating the day before, I had to run really long the next day to compensate. Um, And I suppose this all leads back to people who don't know me. I suffered with a huge amount of disordered eating in my early 20s. So I definitely think my uh, distaste for running went side by side with my disordered eating. When I started modeling, I started to uh, get really sucked into diet culture and really sucked into the kind of self-hate. And I tried every single diet out there. And, you know, this was 10 years ago. So we didn't have the common sense that we do now. We know online, if you Google dieting, it's just, you know, you had the Atkins diet and you had all these crazy shake diets. And I have done every single one of them. And you know, when it came to training, there wasn't really weight training. It was just a lot of cardio. And, you know, with a running background, I just ran myself into the ground and I just began to hate it. Uh, And I also think as well, I'd moved to the city. So I, I wasn't getting that kind of running out in fresh air in the countryside, like a wild Irish lady. I was like running on streets and it was very different from how I grew up running, my mindset to it, my environment. And yeah, it took a long time to build back up that relationship. When you were in that that state of running all the time and you probably knew deep down like how you were using running, did others realize around you or did they almost applaud your healthy addiction to running? Because I often see that like people be like, oh my God, you're so fit, you're so healthy, when actually there's a completely different story um, that isn't being told with that behavior. Yeah, definitely. And I think it goes side side to side with um, my weight loss. So, you know, even when I was losing quite a lot of weight very quickly, I was congratulated for it. And it's definitely something in society we need to keep an eye on. Like, 
not commenting on someone's appearance, especially if they drastically change. Because in my recovery, one thing I was holding on to was the fact that people preferred me when I was smaller. They congratulated me when I was smaller. And that fear of putting back on weight was seemed as a bad thing in society. Um, and likewise with my training, it was always like, oh my God, you know, I got congratulated for being super motivated and running these long distances and training every single day and, you know, training twice a day. And at the time I was just fresh after coming back from New York and Miss Universe and things like that. So I was doing a lot of interviews as well and everyone wanted to know how to get this type of physique. And for me, it was almost like I was building up this huge lie as well, because I knew in a way what I was doing was probably not the right thing. But at the same time, it seemed to be the thing that everyone liked. And when you're in that that space, it's really hard to break out of it, isn't it? Because you deep down that you know that something isn't right, but actually you're still chasing a goal, which you're never really going to achieve, but you just keep doing another workout or trying to burn more calories in the hope that one day you finally get there. I was obsessed, absolutely obsessed. Once I started getting into a really... Uh, bad routine of overtraining I had to keep it up and I'm sure a lot of people will understand if you're listening to this and you've ever dealt with overtraining if you didn't make that extra session you had planned out in your head the guilt was overwhelming and you just had to go do it even though you knew your body was sore it wasn't going to benefit you you had to do it and it got to the stage where I was lying about how many sessions I was doing uh you know to boyfriends to people I lived with whoever I was just oh I'm going to the shop but I was going to the gym to do an extra session and I and I look back and I'm like crazy you know that I felt like I just had to keep on training I was in a rat race with myself and I almost think as well it was a part of my ego like I had to be the best I had to be the smallest version of myself I had to be the person people liked and I really built up this whole image of myself that was really hard to maintain and how did you manage to keep up the intensity and do things like run a half marathon and, and doing an Ironman? Because that must have been quite painful and quite sore because it sounds like you wasn't recovering at all. Yeah. And I look back and I don't know how my body did it. I would not eat from one end of the day to the next. You know, with modeling, if I had a big shoot, I wouldn't eat for three or four days. And I was still training. Um, and training, I was training twice, sometimes three times a day. And I remember my first half marathon, I went with no food in my, in my body. I went with painkillers because I had a, an injured knee. Um, and afterwards, I didn't even refuel properly. Even after doing a full marathon, I was afraid, afraid to have a slice of toast, afraid to have any carbohydrates. I had such a bad relationship and such a bad, just... I had such a self-loathing. I didn't I didn't feel like I deserved anything, you know. I think that's something that a lot of women can can feel or can recognize but only when they're out the other side. When was the kind of the moment for you that you said enough is enough, no more. I've I've actually gone from being healthy with my food and my exercise to turning both of these things really unhealthy because I've gone too far. Yeah, and I just want to bring it back to how I started. I started purely from a good place of just wanting to know more about food and, you know, train, just be like treat my body in a good way. And I took both of those things and I just completely went over the top. I became orthorexic, I overtrained and it was never enough. 
So from what went being a really kind of healthy relationship to bad, and this went on for years, you know, this was a really shortened version of it. I was completely self-destructive. My goal or my idea of myself of just being a number ruined absolutely everything in my life. It ruined opportunities. I never felt like I was good enough for anything. I would turn down these amazing opportunities when it came to work and travel because I never felt like I deserved them. I never felt like my body was ready. It wasn't good enough. I always wanted to be a little bit skinnier before I went and did them. I ruined relationships because I didn't like myself. I ruined friendships because I was jealous. I wanted to be the best or I was super competitive. And I guess it took it took a few things and they all happened in a short space of time. And I, I guess when a lot of people ask me, you know, what made you go get help and what was your catalyst? to change and I really wish I could bottle it up because I feel like a lot of people are stuck there and I really Mm. wish I could help but for everyone it is so different and for mine it was like I said a number of things that happened in a short space of time my sister my eldest sister actually first of all confronted me saying that (laughs) she was pretty blunt that I was pretty miserable to be around and she's correct I was ruining it for everyone else I was completely miserable because I was in this whole system of binging and purging and especially on a holiday I was doing a lot more binging and I felt completely like a failure and I took that out on everyone else that I was surrounded with so I guess that moment along with a few months later I went through a really bad breakup and then a month later, my sister got diagnosed with a form of cancer, not the one who gave out to me, the one in the middle. And we're very close in age. There's three years between us and we do everything together. At the time, we were living together. And she got diagnosed with this very rare form of cancer called CML, which is chronic myeloid leukemia. There was a good month where we didn't really know, was it acute or chronic or what type it was? And it tossed everything up in the air for me. For the first time in maybe seven years, my body or what weight I was wasn't the main focus of my life. It wasn't a priority. My only priority was that Rachel was okay and that as a family, we supported her. And I guess it just kind of shell-shocked all my priorities back into order. And, you know, after about two, three months, I started to kind of get my food guilt creeping back in and, you know, negative self-talk again. And I just went, you know what? I actually can't do this anymore. I really cannot put up with this anymore. Like my sister's just after getting cancer. I'm after going through one of the worst breakups I hopefully and probably ever will in my life. And I definitely think anyone listening who's gone through a bad breakup, it's one of the hardest thing you'll go through because you kind of feel like no one loves you or you don't, you're not deserving. So I think I had to get really low to pick myself back up, if that makes sense. I mean, I think I think a few of us have been that. I remember in my early twenties when actually was I even twenty? I might have been more like nineteen, eighteen, and the then love of my life um, had cheated on me and broke up with me. And I just remember not being able to function and just I didn't even sleep. I don't think for two days and just crying and crying and crying and crying. And that was back then when actually we'd only been going out for probably a year, but he was he was my everything. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? Like, I think it's one of those things where you have to almost be your backup because you you have no one else. You feel like you've no one else there. And I, I made that decision there and then, like, once that happened, my sister got cancer. I just had had enough. I was like, I am. I have enough 
hating myself. I hate, I've hated myself so much that I've made other people hate me. And I've never in my life wanted to be someone that came into a room and people went, oh no, Roz is here. And that's who I'd become. And that is just not me. I had let my whole physical shell become my priority and not who I was, like how kind I was or how much crack I was, you know, and like how, you know, driven I was. Like my whole life was consumed with being a number. And it was just really sad because I had let it destroy so many good things in my life. And I just said no more. Like I am actually going to invest the time uh, to make a change. And that's when I went and I got expert help. And I always say this to people, you know, when they ask for advice um, with, you know, overcoming disordered eating or overtraining. And I, ca- I can't thank enough the counselors, the dietitians I went to see because they really gave me my life back. And I always felt, um, because actually two years before I'd gone to a therapist because um, at the time my friends and the people I lived with had urged me to go and I kind of just went to take a box. If you're not ready to go, it's not going to work. You really have to be there to commit and want to change. And at this stage, I really was. And my biggest fear was my eating disorder was me. That if I let go of this eating disorder, people wouldn't like me anymore. That I was, I I was one with my eating disorder. It was just who I was. But it wasn't until I actually let go of it and recovered, I realized that I became me. And have you found that your relationships with your sisters and your family have vastly improved since seeking help? 100%. And, you know, I always had a good relationship with my family. I'll, I'll describe it in this way. So about, well, it was before this happened, so maybe about a year ago, my sister, my eldest sister, I was at home in Tipperary and we were out in a mountain run, actually. And she said to me, you know, I remember when you were in your early 20s and I just I said to Mark who's her husband now God like I never thought Roz would end up like this she was always such a like fun happy outgoing child and she's just quite an introvert and always down and kind of grumpy and she's like I just thought that that was the personality you had grown into I just thought that that's the person she became this kind of you know melancholy grumpy adult (laughs) and then she said but it's just so nice now that you've actually come back to the Roz you were when you were a teenager you didn't change you just lost yourself along the way yeah because I was going to say I must have met you maybe three four years ago first of all three years Mm -hmm. ago and you've and you've always come across as a very happy present person yeah. And you know what, even I'd say when you met me three, four years ago, I was still in my recovery process, probably towards the end of it. But yeah, like I wasn't always that person. I was definitely someone you might have even been kind of afraid of because I, you know, was quite cold because I was not happy with myself. And I, I think back to it now and I feel like it was, it was a different person. I have changed so much and I've really changed back to the girl I grew up being which I'm so happy about because I feel like I don't question opportunities now I'm not afraid of them I know my self-worth I know that people are still going to like me no matter what size I am I know that the most important thing is when I meet someone that when I walk away they go she was really nice it's not like she was a certain size like no one cares 
no one cares. And my whole life isn't about being a number. It's about living life, which is not something I ever thought I would be able to do or say, because when I was in my early 20s, I really thought that that was just who I was for the rest of my life. And I really felt stuck. And I would go to counseling sessions. And in my head, I would think, you just don't understand how bad I am. The people you've probably cured before weren't as bad as I am. And I'm different. I'm not going to be able to get out of this. This is me. This is who I am. But, you know, then you realize, I think everyone feels like that. And it just takes a lot of time. It takes a want to be out of the other side. And then it also takes a lot of persistence in recovery to just continue to want to do that and work on yourself. And it's definitely not a, you know, linear recovery. There was ups and downs along the way. And that's why I'm very vocal about people around you, your friends and your family, like not commenting on your weight, not congratulating you on when you lose weight or not saying you look so much better with a bit of weight on you because comments like that made me relapse multiple times throughout the years. So I think it's about being aware that a lot of people struggle with weight and what size they are and not making it a big deal. You know, when you see someone coming in, you shouldn't go, oh my God, you look great. You've lost loads of weight. Like pick something else to compliment them on, you know? And I think what you've just said there is that actually we do need to be really conscious of how we talk to each other and take a step back and make it more about the person than what they look like oh yeah definitely and I think I it's something I struggle with doing even though I preach about it I think it's almost built into us from our society and growing up that we like to tell people they look good we like to tell them they've lost weight we avoid conversation if you know they've put on weight or if they have put on weight sometimes we go you look better now you're a bit curvier and it's like there's no need to say that because their body weight is none of your business and we shouldn't be commenting on it at all. And I specifically remember comments about my weight. They are ingrained in my mind. So I don't think we understand the power of our words, especially when it comes to weight and shapes and sizes. And I think it's just being very conscious of, you know, finding neutral terms. Have you managed to get yourself a little arsenal of them together? Well, I kind of just totally do not comment on people's shapes, sizes or what they look like and like you said refer to things they're doing like congratulations I saw that thing that you wrote or congratulations I listened to this and I saw that you went there you know rather than looking at aesthetics the whole time. I just need to quickly interrupt the show guys to tell you about one of the patrons of this season of Welfare, Yo Valley. Yo Valley have recently launched their new kefir product Now, for those of you that haven't heard of kefir before, it's basically a delicious, creamy and tangy organic yogurt packed with billions of live bacteria from 14 different culture strains, making it extra good for gut health, which is something I have really been trying to pay attention to recently. It's available in loads of nice flavours, including natural, mango and passion fruit, blueberry and strawberry, and it's only £1.50 for a 350 gram pot. You'll be able to find it in all major supermarkets. Now that I've shared that news, let's get back to today's show. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss can we talk about how you've managed to flip that focus from what your body looks like to what your body can do yeah I guess a big thing for me was when I was going getting help was that shift of knowing that I'm enough no matter what size my body is and in the recovery process it was definitely looking at training and training for my body not training for my body because I love it not because I hate it and this is something I talk quite a lot about that you know when we're going to the gym or when we're going for a run it's because we love ourselves we want to be fitter maybe we want to get faster maybe we want to get stronger not because we hate ourselves and we're doing it out of punishment and this is something I feel really strongly about it's it's completely restored my love of running and training and just in general I think movement did you have to put in positive goals to do with that or was it a case of that you didn't have any goals you took all of that away I think goals are quite important and I I think they're important because I know for myself I am goal orientated I like to see positive change and I guess when it came to for example the gym I shifted my goal of weight loss to how much weight I can put on the bar and in a positive way I wasn't like overly competitive it was just that to know that I am getting stronger and likewise running you know I picked an event because I work really well with working towards something and saying that you know there's definitely been times where I've been really busy that I've just trained out of pure enjoyment but with my background training as a personal trainer as well and that's something I did because I wanted to educate myself on training and not overtraining and train smarter and understand it I I think it's really important to set goals and I think more than anything when you set goals you set a plan and that plan makes sure that you stay injury free it makes sure that you're not overtraining and it makes sure that you are working consistently to reach your goals. So I really like the idea of having a plan, having a structure and knowing that this is what I do to make myself stronger, to make myself faster and to make my body move better. And one of your most recent goals was obviously training for a half marathon. How was it coming back to do that distance again after having so many years of a negative relationship with running? Well, I developed my negative relationship with running, obviously, because I was overtraining. I had a few knee injuries. I can't even remember it was my right or left knee the worst because both of them were so bad at one stage. 
And obviously I went on to do a half Ironman and lots of half marathons. And I think I was just trying to do too much at once. And like I said, I didn't really have a structure. I was just hammering it. You know, I was going out and I was trying to run hard every single day. So with this plan, I was very conscious that I wanted just to build up the mileage to do it injury free and to enjoy it with my sister because we were doing it together. I always trained competitively. I never ran for enjoyment. I never trained for enjoyment. So I really wanted to make sure that while I was training for the New York Half Marathon, I did it and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I have to say training for the New York Half Marathon this year really brought back my love of running. And now that we're in lockdown, I'm so grateful that I had been training for the half marathon because running for me is like what it always was. It's kind of that escape. It's to be out in that fresh air. It's to have a little daydream and it definitely restored my love of it. And I can't wait now. I'm already, I'm like, when will they be back? Because I want to sign up to so many. And what I've decided to do, because while I was training for the half marathon, obviously the week before I got cancelled and I had to find my way home from New York. It was very dramatic. But what I'm planning to do is I'm planning to put together a virtual half marathon to train for again. So we have our training program in place and we're starting it next week and in two months time we're both going to go out separately and do the half marathon distance probably in loops which will be very fun and I think it's nice that we're both doing it with each other we can check in to make sure I have a little bit of accountability and hopefully in two months time you know we can have a little bit more than two kilometer radius to enjoy it. And so the plan is that you'll both just set off at the same time and just keep running until you've done the distance. Exactly. I like what you're doing with how you've managed to channel that frustration because there are so many people out there that I think are feeling frustrated because they trained for races, potentially they trained for the London Marathon. And then suddenly within those final few weeks, it was just taken away from them. Yeah, but this is the thing. Why don't you set up a virtual marathon, half marathon, 10K, whatever it is, pick a date, train towards it, get your friends involved and you'll all do a virtual one at the same time. You know what I mean? There's nothing stopping you. I know you have a big event, people cheering on, but if you want to run a race, run a race. You could even make your own medal, couldn't you? To give yourself at the end. Exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think that's the whole thing. We're so consumed with like having this big one day. And I think for me, and I think for a lot of people who were sad that their races got cancelled after they've been training for it, nothing is worse than losing that training fitness. So put a plan together, pick a day, and we run. One of the things I'd love to know, and I'm sure the people listening in would feel feel the same, is you've, you're obviously somebody who does a lot of strength work and it has been your passion. And you've said before that you don't want to run longer than a half marathon because then it starts to mess a little bit with your gym gains. How do you manage your your strength slash run sessions when you're training for a race like a like a half marathon? Um, I definitely have to say strength training for me has been a huge game changer. When I didn't do strength training when I was training for half marathon or half Ironmans before, I, like I said, was getting a lot of injuries. And I obviously think, you know, a huge part of that I wasn't eating also. But um, now that I have the strength training background and I do it alongside running, I'm so much faster. I don't fatigue. My running technique doesn't fatigue. I just in general feel a lot stronger. I never get any niggles anymore. And for me, I always associated running with you're either injured or you're waiting to get injured. Mm. And 
I don't associate running with that anymore. I associate running with just enjoying it, not worrying about getting injured or not feeling like I am having niggles. And that's huge for me. And I think maybe anyone listening who who's never had a running injury, like fair play to you. But as someone who suffered with running injuries pretty much the whole last 10 years, this is huge for me that strength training has really, really helped me to go back, enjoy running and enjoy it knowing that I don't have any niggles and I'm not fearful of getting injured. You know what? I have to, I think I'm going to go back on what I said. I think I might train for full marathon after this. I'm not so afraid. I think this whole experience has taught me myself. I'm not so afraid about losing some gym gains. You know what I mean? I can get them back. Like it's, it's not rocket science, you know, but I definitely think training for this half marathon, the New York half marathon, really brought back my love of running and this lockdown has made running such a an outlet for me to kind of escape and have those endorphins flying when a lot of us we might be feeling down at the moment or sad or scared and it's really done a lot for me so I I would definitely consider doing a full marathon and especially I was running you know 20 kilometers and 22 kilometers no bother before all this and I was really enjoying it um, and I was coming back in saying I probably could have kept going. So I definitely think my body likes the old long distance running right now. So uh, yeah, you might see me at London Marathon when it's back. Yeah. Next year. Yeah, there you go. I think one of the things that you've just said there is when you said, I can get my gym gains back or I can get my fitness gains back. That speaks to me because I think it shows that you're in a space where you realize that actually anything is possible. Whereas when you're in a really dark place, you you don't know how to do all of these things because your judgment is just clouded the whole time yeah and I think I think you're afraid you're like I'm afraid to get out of shape I'm afraid to Mm. lose my gains it's like well that's life you know like there's gonna be some stage you're probably gonna you know lose a bit gain a bit whatever and I suppose for me yeah I'm definitely not afraid to change body shape or you know I right now I think it's the perfect time to get out running you know I think it's the perfect time to remember why I love running and to remember how beautiful it is I think we're also appreciative of like a sunny day of that fresh air right now so I'm not afraid to lose those games so what about it you know totally one of the things which I wanted to ask you about was food because obviously aside from building this like healthy new relationship with exercise you've also come back from those years of really having a troubled relationship with food to become a cookbook author. And you've now got three books out, your latest, No Fuss Vegan. Where did that all come from? Well, I guess I've always been really uh, big into cooking. Growing up, I used to tell my parents I want to be a cooker. And they were like, oh, okay, you're definitely not going to be like an English teacher because a cooker's a thing. You want to be a cook. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, cooking for me is my way of being mindful, working with my hands and being completely in the present. Um, and like I said earlier, running is almost like an escapism. I kind of daydream and, uh, well, still kind of checking in on my form to make sure I haven't lost it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, cooking is that thing where it com- makes me be completely present. Um, so I've always been, I've always relied on it. I've always leaned on cooking throughout my life, you know, in certain times. And yeah, I started a food blog, I'd say seven, eight years ago. And I did start it while I was going through disordered eating. And I think for a lot of people who followed me since then, you'll know that the blog has changed drastically and Stephanie followed my journey. It went from being like healthy food blog where this is, you know, sinless this and guilt-free this to just being food is food. 
this is a brownie, this is a cookie and, you know, or whatever it is. And I suppose not just looking at the spectrum of like health or orthorexia, it was just, it's just great tasty food now. And, you know, obviously with my journey turning a little bit more uh, plant-based is, is really, I think my background growing up on a farm, um, my whole family has gone plant-based, even though we were bee farmers. Um, so I would have to say that my journey to becoming more plant-based is definitely nothing to do with looking for a new diet or, you know, having that kind of thing of cutting out food groups. It's definitely come from a ethical standpoint. If I'm not doing something, it's because I don't enjoy doing it. One of the things with foodies people always, always ask is what their favourite meal is. But I'm more interested in what's your favourite ingredient today? What could you not, not have in the house? Okay, well, I, I definitely think if you'd asked me this about three months ago, I would have found it hard to give you an answer. But the thing that I am buying the most of, and even this morning I went, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe there's none left in the press. How did we go through them all? It's chickpeas. Oh my really? God. Yeah, I went to the shop the other day and the guy said it to me. He's like, you buy an awful lot of chickpeas because I go to the same shop uh, every single time. I was thinking about it today. I was like, I make chickpea scramble. I make like these protein balls with chickpeas. I make like chickpea curries. And I was like, wow, I really need to branch out from the old um, chickpeas. But yeah, chickpeas are the thing now. And I think a lot of people listening are like boring, you know, such a kind of, you know, healthy food blog answer. But I have to say now, I'm not going to lie, they are top of the list. Well, I think even though they look like the blandest thing in the whole entire world. Uh, actually- you can you can tart them up. You can tart <laughs> them up to be super tasty. Look, Amy, I'm going to get you on the chickpea scramble. It's delicious. Like scrambled eggs, but with chickpeas. Yeah, it's really, really good. I honestly, I have gotten so many people on chickpea scramble. It became like last year, I think it was like the top recreate a recipe on Ashworth Feeder and like above like things like homemade snicker bars and like things that you know like you would think would blow the chickpea scramble out of the water but no people love the chickpea scramble they do it's a nice it takes like three minutes to make and it's just a nice alternative you know the way like for lunch and dinner you have so many different options but I think for breakfast people can get stuck in a rut of just having porridge or eggs so you know switch things up Right, I need to ask then, how on earth do you make a chickpea scramble? So It's exactly what it says in the tin, right? You scramble, you mash up some chickpeas, but you mix in a few different spices. So you've got a little cumin in there, you have a little paprika, um, some turmeric, and you kind of mix them all together. And you can also add a little bit of nutritional yeast. I think anyone who's um, kind of veg will probably know what it is. Honestly, it's a game changer. It takes like three minutes to make. And everyone has a tin of chickpeas in the back of their press, unless you're like me and you've actually eaten them all in your house right now. But, you know, <laughs> if you go and look in your press right now, I guarantee you, you have a random tin of chickpeas waiting to be scrambled. Do you know what? I do know I've got a random tin of chickpeas because I keep going to get other stuff out of the cupboard and thinking, oh, that bloody tin of chickpeas. Oh, I'm there you go. Again. This, is, this is your, this is, you know, your sign. If you were ever looking for a sign, this is your sign to get those out and scramble them. And have you been batch cooking any food for when you come in off long runs? I know obviously at the moment you can only go on a two kilometre radius, but when you were doing your actual um, half marathon training, was there any kind of recipes that you were like, right, I'm going to make this because I know I'm going to be so hungry when I come in, I'm going to devour a big bowl of it. So I always found post run, there was only certain foods I could have. 
and mm. I always just wanted really plain foods. So my go-to was always banana on toast. I know a lot of people, you know, they might meal prep something fancy, but I don't know what it was. After long runs, all I wanted was maybe it was just like nostalgic food, but just plain food, just like toast with banana or jam or something like that. And it's probably not the fancy answer you wanted, but I just went for the repainting. And as well, I always did my running in the morning because uh, the New York half marathon actually started at 7 a.m. So I was trying to do a lot of my training in the morning to try get used to running at that time of the day and getting up early and just having something small before I went running. So in fairness, it was kind of the fact as well that it was breakfast time. Yeah, they say that, don't they? That's one of the best things that you can do in your race training is to actually do as much of your training as possible, like the race is going to be. 100%. And you know what, like, obviously, I didn't get to do the race, but I was very confident if I had that my body would have been like, oh, it's time to run, you know. But yeah, I know that's something I in fact, I learned from doing, you know, Ironman training was just to try emulate the race in training as much as possible. Talking about the rest of the year, you've obviously said that you might potentially sign up for a marathon. Oh, why not? You know what I mean? You live once. And I don't want to be like 90 and turn back and go, I never did a marathon. So yeah, I definitely think, I think this whole lockdown situation has taught me that like, you know, this isn't a run through, you know, this is our one shot. So may as well just do everything. Is there any piece of advice that you'd like to share with the welfare women that are listening in who are maybe thinking... I really want to do I really want to be able to run a half marathon a marathon but I just don't think I can do it well first of all if you say you can or you can't you're right either way so get that right first you can do it (laughs) everyone can do it but I think the number one thing would be would be to have a proper plan and this is something I've learned myself you know of just saying okay I'm gonna do I'm gonna do x but not actually putting a plan in place because if you don't put a plan in place it's not it's just a dream you haven't you're not going to make it reality um so for me it would be getting a plan off a proper coach or you know there's so many great running plans online and just sticking to it I think a big thing for me with training as well if I can give two tips here would be accountability so perhaps getting someone else involved I was very lucky that whilst I was training for New York my sister was as well so we followed the same program and every day I'd go have you done your uh, 12k yet today and she'd be like no okay I've done it you know and uh, so it was kind (laughs) of nice or you know vice versa she would be like I just just finished my 14k and I'd be like I still have to do mine you know so it's kind of having that accountability and checking in that you know you're a running partner you're both doing the same things and obviously life happens you know you might miss a run and you know I think there was one week I was in London and I missed a short run but I just got back on my program I didn't you know feel guilty about it or whatever it's just life that happened and I also started my program I started my program about a week before just to give myself a bit of leeway as well because I had foreseen that you know there's a week that I was traveling uh, so I think yeah it's just following a really good program so you're training smart and then two having some accountability having a friend that's going to sign up with you and checking in with that person and not in a competitive way but just in a way that you know both of you are consistently working on the plan to reach the goal I love that yeah love so it. that's my that's my up and down relationship with running but thankfully and I think for the long term now we're on a good page 
Wow, what an amazing chat that was. I could sit here all evening, but I know that we actually can't do that because you've got your lovely little dog, Willie, that oh, you probably Willie. need. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and you know what? I can hear him upstairs growling. He's so mad at me that I kicked him out of the room, but he sits at the window like barking at every single person that passes. And you know what? I'm starting to understand why because I've started to stare out the window and scream at every person who passes too. I'm like, hello, someone to talk to. So I'm kind of starting to get what his life is usually like in the house, you know? They do say that owners are very much like their dogs. You and him are obviously becoming the same person. Oh, we are exactly the same person. And you know what? Uh, I am very lucky, like I said, to live by the sea. So I'm this evening now we're gonna go for a, a little swim and he's gonna come out with me I got him a nice life jacket that has a shark fin so I'll send <gasps> you a photo please do yeah. well Ross thank you so much for coming on and speaking so honestly about your journey both in and out of your trainers um I'm sure it resonates so much with me and I know it's going to resonate with so many people listening in so thank you thanks for having me where is the best place for people to catch up with you and to follow this virtual marathon training journey? Oh, yes. Uh, so you can join me at Rosanna Purcell over on Instagram. And if you want some food inspiration, you want to give that chickpea scramble a go because I totally, totally sold you on the chickpea scramble. Uh, you can check <laughs> at naturalbornfeeder.com. That's amazing. And guys, don't forget that if you do do the chickpea scramble, take a picture, tag in Roz, tag in myself. I love seeing all your Instagram pics and do share your running journeys using hashtag welfare. Thanks very much. And I'll speak to you all next week. Okay, guys, you've heard this a million times, but please, please, please do rate, review and subscribe to this show if you liked it. It really does help other runners in need of some help find the show and join our community too. Don't forget to use hashtag welfare on all your IG posts because I love seeing them, especially when I can't be bothered to run. It gives me that motivation I need. Until next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.